gentlemen and legionnaires, welcome to the Legion of Myth live stream. That's right, we're loving it today, 2nd December, episode number 140. Now, normally, right now, you'd be hearing the wonderful dulcet tones of Alex Garthon Marsh, but he is he's gotten in some trouble with some Israeli special forces, so he's unavailable at the moment. So today, we have a very special guest. Let's take a look at him now. Oh, there we go. There he is, Duncan Idaho. Say hello to everybody. Uh, hello, peoples of the internet. I am here to replace Garthon for a while, and he will be coming back at some undisclosed date in undisclosed pieces. <laughs> and it's it's amazing that you sounded German, vaguely German, saying that because his favorite hidey hole is in Argentina. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. He is with the Fiora. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's gone. He's gone. That's a myth. He told me that, that that's a myth. Oh, the fear is gone, but yes. there are replacement fears. They, they come up all the time. Just name one. Jerry okay. is the fear next week. Okay, we okay. Love, we love. All right. Before okay. we get to N word heavy, because we don't want to have that be as part of our YouTube, you know, no, uh, no, we're not algorithm. Gonna go there. We're, we're just, gonna we're gonna go no, through the just... segments that we're gonna have today. And uh, today's segments, we're gonna start with me, and uh, I'm gonna go through uh, Demon the Fallen again. But this time, I'm going to. Uh, focus a little bit on the one of the uh, three of the seven fallen houses and then Garthon through several dead drops got me a recording of his comic poll so we're gonna see US Avengers number 12 Justice League of America annual number one or maybe it's number two we're not sure don't worry tune in to see that and Batman annual number two and then after that Duncan Idaho over here is gonna tell us all about Pat Labor the movie the OVA oh, oh. What, what? I have a visual demonstration. Oh, there this it is. This is Pat Labor. For the movie, it's theatrical. Don't move around too much here. Uh, this is the OVA of episodes. episodes. Oh, so, okay. Pat Labor continuity is really weird. Got it. So there's multiple, like, other releases. So we'll be doing the OVA movie, but kind of a movie. Okay, got it. Well, hopefully you'll explain that during your segment. And then after that, we got the random number generator, yeah. and we are going to talk about, amongst other things that the chat wants to talk about, Star Trek Online. They've been without the Foundry for, what, over two months now? Uh, yeah, about... It's like a little over 60 days, right? Uh, yeah, just over 60 days. We right. hit that 60-day mark recently for downtime. And there's hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, oh, and... oh save it, save it, save it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, talk, <laughs> right. about we'll but, talk about that. You know, because first we have to go through our disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this episode are... I, oh, hang on, I'm sorry. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. All right. I think that worked out really well. I mean, my, my sexy voice is just as sexy as ever. Yeah, I do like the fact that we did that after <laughs> the, the whole German thing. Yeah, that really, yeah. Should have probably done that before. Anyway. Ich habe drei Deutsche Klasse at the University of Illinois. And ich kann ein bisschen Deutsch sprechen. Okay. Uh, yep. I, I took one semester of German and was kicked out. I'm not going to tell you why. All oh. right. But 
We are yeah. now going to talk about all of our cool little social media stuff. Uh, you can uh, you can see all of our past stuff on either Twitch or YouTube. We have thousands of hours of content on YouTube. Some of it's YouTube only. Uh, you can uh, see what's going on with the Legion on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, you can join us at our Discord. There's the link right there. And hey, you know what? Uh, you could join our Steam group if you uh, if you feel like you want the Legion to play a game really badly. Like I want to see Max Liao fail utterly at this game that's impossibly hard. You, or, you can well, or or you want to see Heathen Dog have another complete oh. complete breakdown on some impossibly hard game that is also very terrifying. Yeah. It's also very good entertainment. Thank you, Baldahar. See, Baldahar joined joined our Steam group, and uh, he gifted me Outlast and the DLC Whistleblower, which I went through. And I went through both games along with a couple packages of underwear. And yep. uh, it went it went pretty well. Uh, you can also get our audio podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Really, any wonderful audio podcast aggregate anywhere. Also, you can get, uh, you can get swag right here. See that? Oh, yes. Right there. My shirt. Yeah. Duncan Idaho should be wearing his swag, too. My shirts are... Hey. And your camera froze because you moved too much. Oh. <laughs> we I didn't move too much. Uh, I just had like, a connection flip, so oh, okay. sorry about that. All right. But, but I just said that I my, my swag shirt is over there. It's oh, not on here. Not so. on. Okay. okay. That's, that's unfortunate. We're going to ding you for that. But if, if you yep. want to support the Legion, you can do that through a Patreon subscription, a Streamlabs donation of a game just like Baldahar did. It was on sale. Just get some on sale. It's a couple bucks. We'll play it. Ain't that fun. Uh, PayPal Direct donation, or you can buy some of this cool stuff. We got mugs. We got mouse pads. We got shirts. We got hoodies. We got it all. It's good stuff. Now, now that all that stuff's out of the way, we can get to the meat and potatoes. Heathen Dogs World Darkness. A closer look at Demon the Fallen. Now, last time I went through the general basics, mostly the backstory, because it is my favorite backstory of all the classic World of Darkness games. But today, we're going to take a look at the the, the Sebetu, or the Seven. The, the Seven Houses of the Demons, and how they, how they translated between... Uh, the fall, the age of wrath, and then after some of them escaped from the abyss. Before we do that, we are going to look at where you can, uh, all the particulars of this book, which is, uh, got it from White Book Publishing. Uh, it was published in November 2002, and the, the designers are here. Now, I want to point out, of all the designers that are listed here, Lucian Soulban is an awesome character name, and I want it. <laughs> I want, I'm going to name a character that. Because that is freaking awesome. And the exact opposite, Greg Stoltz. Sorry, dude. No, I'm not using your name. Dude, yep. You don't have to worry about any copyright. And, of course, you can get this. If you if you so, want to check yeah, out this so. game, you can get the PDF for 18 bucks. And there's the link right here. You can get the hardcover for 30 at the same place, but I put the link right there for you as well. Now, here we go. Getting into it. Now. The seven celestial houses. There are seven houses of angels, first to, to the seventh. And when the rebel angels decided to rebel against God, go to earth, and teach the humans how to, you know, do everything, they kind of fell in line along the regular house fashion. You know, uh, the, the angels of the water stayed angels of the water. Just now, they taught humans about water. Angels of light stayed angels of light. They just taught humans about light. You know, stuff like that. Angels of earth, whatever. Now, 
during the Age of Wrath, is w uh, which is where the rebel angels were fighting the angelic host at God, you know, the angelic host was doing God's order to kill the rebel, not kill him, but stop the rebel angels. Uh, God renamed the angels into demons, renamed their houses, and that renaming caused a little bit of wiggle room. You know, so sometimes uh, valor or, or cowardice will raise you up in rank or raise you down in rank when before your station was the same, never changing. You were a mid-range angel, a low-class angel, or an archangel, and that was it. You lived your life, you lived your entire existence, which is forever, in that fashion, and you were happy. Well, during the war, there was wiggle room up and down, depending on how well you did, and this caused some tension, and it, it, it caused uh, uh, the, the, the house rules to kind of get blurry and bent. And then everyone went to the abyss. And then when they came back, barely hanging on to sanity, the houses were drastically different. Let's go through three of them. All right, the first one is my personal favorite, the devils. All right, now during the Age of Wrath, they were rebel leaders and heroes because uh, they had the, the lore of uh, the Celestials and the lore of Flame. With the lore of Flame, uh, rank four has the most amazing attack power in the game, which describes as pure white angelic fire uh, coming from your hands to burn your target to cinders. That's awesome. That's just freaking awesome. Just visualizing that is freaking cool. Yeah. And lore of the Celestials allows you to uh, to influence people, to give them hope, give them morale, give them all that good stuff. You know, so they were great heroes and leaders during the abyss. Now, during I'm sorry, during the Age of Wrath, during the war. Now, in the abyss, they to to survive because now they were defeated, and a defeated hero is an object of scorn. Basically, they kind of twisted their charismatic bent to more lies and deceit. You know, they're not going to attack me if the all the people in my jail cell are attacking each other. I'm safe. Kind of went that way. Now, uh, if you want an equivalent, that would be uh, the uh, va vampire house. I mean, the, the vampire clan Ventru. They're they're the talky, charismatic folk. You know, they have dominate. They have all that good good stuff. That that is the equivalent to this. Uh, Pax Veraca says, "Angels of light versus demons of air and darkness." A war in between the Maconians would be epic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you want to, you want to make a Star Trek reference, then yeah, that would be it. Yeah. Uh, the, now, the, the lores that the devils had are lore, lore, lore of the Celestials, lore of Flame, and lore of Radiance. Now, I, pick, I, I chose uh, the four-point mark of the Celestials because the reason the devils is my favorite is because faith is very, very important. Very important to a demon. Uh, you need faith for your powers to even function. Some powers are so great you must expend temporary faith. The only way to get faith back is by making a pact with the human. Convince the human you are an angel or a devil and have them agree willingly to connect you to their soul so you can get faith from the tap, which is God. All humans have a soul and that soul has an unbreakable tether to God. So if you attach yourself to a human soul, Bickety-bam, Bob's your uncle, you got a middleman, and you get refilled with faith every day at, the, at that human's dawn, wherever he may be, he or she may be. Now, the four-point mark of the Celestials is important because you can take a human, mark him with such a thing as say, oh, I don't know, whenever you see this person, you will always help him, or you will never harm this person. You can mark him in such a way where when other humans 
or other non-demons and non-thrall. Uh, when when you make a pact with a human, they're called thralls, and uh, a, a thrall that that does not has not been bestowed the the demon's innate uh, mind control resistance uh, is immune to this. But everyone else, literally everyone else on the planet, will look at this guy and have to roll a, against how many successes you got. If they fail they will be compelled to help him or compelled not to hurt him. And that keeps your source of faith safe no matter where they are in the world. So this is a really great way to keep your thralled humans safe without you having to jump every time they scream, oh God, oh God, I'm being attacked. Or, oh my God, I had an accident. Yeah, they've got some built-in defense. Exactly. That, that, that's a built-in, uh, built uh, not-my-problem field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just that's not my yeah. problem. They look at it like not my problem, and they walk away. You know, a gangbanger points a gun at him and goes, "No, not him," and just walks away. You know, stuff like yeah. that. So that's why that's why they're my personal favorite because it's really easy to get that faith power base up and keep it up. And the faith is the most important trait in the game. Now, that was my personal favorite. Let's go to my personal worst. I hate these guys. The defilers. Now, these are angels of the ocean. I just quoted. I put a quotation. Aquaman. That's what they are. They talk to fish. They're they're in water now. They're uh, during the war. They were most aligned with humans because during the age before the rebellion, they were most removed from humans. They were angels of the ocean and water, and humans didn't even know how to swim at this point, so they barely got to see them. So during during the during the war, they wanted to get closer to humans. And during the rebellion, when they actually went down to Earth, they were like, "Oh, humans! Hey, we're see that water thing over there? We did that. Yeah, we're awesome. Hey, what's up, bro? You know." But they're just a bunch of pansies, and uh, none of their lures—longing, storms, or transfiguration—none of them are really good in a fight. Longing uh, is is good for behind the scenes stuff, before and after action stuff. It's kind of if you want to have an equivalent for the lore of longing, it's more like the the, the vampire power uh, presence. You know, you, uh, you 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 walk into a room and you can influence people in the room. You can't directly control them, but you can influence them. Now, uh, their lore of transfiguration uh, makes them uh, uh, makes them the vampire equivalent of the. Zemiche. Now that that's the actual pronunciation of this. I looked it up because I've been pronouncing it wrong pretty much my entire life. And the Lord Transfiguration. Again, you think that's cool? You you can change yourself into a giant bear or something? You're like, no, no, you can't. You can change the way you look. You can't give hmm. yourself abilities. If you give yourself wings, you can't give yourself wings. But if you could, you couldn't fly. So it's basically just I'm going to put on a mask and just be a different person. That's exactly it. That's all it does. That's all it does. They're they're out of all of the fallen houses. These guys are literally the worst. They're just. So I was thinking, like, when you started talking about these guys, that ocean army of crabs, or army of dolphins. <laughs> but no, I nope. can't have dolphin minions. Sorry. It's it's Aquaman who can't talk to fish. Like useless time like uh, now the they, they did they did a real good job in the in the uh, movie dcu of making aquaman cooler but i'm talking yeah. like uh uh no, we're talking about the justice like, league cartoon from the 80s aquaman this is the aquaman yeah. we're talking about and he can't talk to fish so he's utterly worthless now i'm just wondering if we're just crossing the line from aquaman to captain planet I mean that No, Captain of... Planet is awesome. He's got powers like you wouldn't believe. These guys are the opposite. Oh yeah. 
So yeah, no, no. Now we're gonna get to the most old, the most OP, the most overpowered. I'm gonna caveat this and saying at the start, mm. after character generation, day one, a malefactor is the most powerful character in the game. Now let's let's get to the little background. They started uh, when they rebelled. They came down to to Earth and they taught humans how to build. They they taught them architecture. They 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 taught them how to make uh, grand structures. And they were having a ball. They were having a great time. During the war, they created weapons and armor for the, for the cause, you know. And uh, if you want to, if you want an equivalent, the best I could find is the mage equivalent of the Sons of Ether, minus all the steampunky influence. They are forgers. They are builders. They are makers. All right. Now, the reason this is important. Let's look at those lores. The lore of the Earth. Eh, it's cool. You know, you you could you could do some stuff with it. The lore of paths is neat. You know, with uh, even rank one, you can find uh, the most direct route to your destination. Or with the higher ranks, you can actually obscure your path from someone else trying to find you. Which is great. But I'm talking lore of the forge. One point. The very first power. Enhance object. This is the most powerful thing in the game. It's crazy. I'll give you an example. Let's say. Oh, I have... A dagger a dagger just like everything else in the in this in this game remember this is like first edition uh, classic world darkness so it has a target number of six to hit every every success is a success and then the other person gets a dodge at the end of that if there's more two hit successes than dodges then you then you roll damage now when you enhance an object for every success in the enhancement you bring down the target number needed to use the use the item effectively so just getting three successes, three successes, which is easy because it's a, it's a skill plus attribute roll. At the beginning of the game, you could put three dots in the skill and three dots in the attribute. That's six. And, it, and rolling a six is just under a 50-50 shot. So getting half successes, three, is never out of the realm of possibility. You've brought that target number from six to three. You're rolling 10-sided die. Going from a target number six to a target number three is a huge advantage. You're almost always going to hit with this thing. And what if you did it to a gun? Now, a gun has moving parts. The initial enhanced object target number is higher. But still, every success brings the, tar the, brings the target number of use every single time after that down by one. Now, this only works for one scene unless you expend a point of temporary willpower why not it'll make it permanent forever this knife or this gun is now permanently so easy to use i wouldn't recommend it but a child could use it very effectively the most overpowered ability in the game and you and the the, the malfactor gets it at jump right out of the gate Day one, you do not want to get into a knife fight with this guy at all. And that's not even rank three, which is I grab rebar and then I use my power to shape it into a razor sharp sword. They can do that. Just grab uh, whatever on the ground and shape it into anything they want. Three points. Four points is they can enchant an object, take an object, if they made it themselves, which of course they did because they have four points, they obviously have three points as well, it's only a target number six for successes. So 
you can actually put a different power in this sword. So let's say you had uh, Forge 4 to enchant an object, and then you had Lore of the Flames that we talked about earlier at four points as well. You could have a sword that you point at someone, and it fires white-hot, blazing, angelic fire at the person. You think, oh, he's got a sword, I'll stay at range. Ha! No. This, this, the entire lore of the forge is so overpowered, it's disgusting. Yeah, that's, I, I would want to play that. Oh, everyone would want to play a malfactor. Everybody. It's freaking <laughs> awesome. Especially well, at jump. And anyone else can, using freebie points, get rank one in lore of the forge, but that costs six out of your 15 freebie points. No, I mean, yeah. it's seven. Seven out of your 15 freebie points. That's eating up over half of what, what you need for, you know, buffing up your character or or uh, ma making your character, you know, your vision. You know, like, no, my character and my vision is smarter or faster or he's better at so, athletics. You know, you're sacrificing yeah, so, all of that just to get this one point when yeah, it, he gets it automatically. Yeah. Now, what do these guys give up relative that's more useful at the end game? Okay, uh... The, the more direct damage powers and direct affecting powers. Like, the, the, these, these guys give up influence over other people. Uh, the Earth, Path, and Forge are their, are their three main ones. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't have a repertoire of magical direct damage or a repertoire of swaying people or controlling people's minds or, you know, predicting the future or, you know, some of the other stuff that yeah. the other houses get. But in a straight-up fight, you do not want to be in a straight-up fight, especially if, if, a, if a malefactor pulls out a weapon of any kind. Just just say, okay, no, I left all the stoves on. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah, if he pulls out a machine gun, that machine gun on full auto, he's made sure that it's still target number three. <laughs> Even with all the, all the, all the minuses for, on full auto, it's still, it's still going to be a three. You're still boned. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be hit by all the bullets. Just let it go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's yeah. That is my my closer look at three of the houses in the in the classic World of Darkness game, Demon the Fallen. Now, if uh, if you want more, hey, that's great. I can look at there are seven houses in total. There's more episodes in it. So if you want that, then hey, that's great. Uh, Twitch Ferrethata says, uh, wouldn't the malefactors prefer to call the forge superior firepower? I would prefer that. Definitely. I mean, it would be more apt, at the very least. You know, like, uh, or or call it Endgame, the lore of the Endgame. You could do that too. Like, if, if there's a fight and, and a, the, the lore of the Forge is out, you win. You know, you're like, hey, I'm going to win. If you can actually hit him with it, you win. If you have a gun, you're going to hit him with it, so you win. Yay, I'm a winner. But anyway, uh, if, if you want more... Uh, uh, World of Darkness, any any of the games uh, you want more Demon the Fallen, hey, leave it in the chat, leave it in the comments below and Bob's your uncle, there you go um, Quick question Shoot. Um, looking at the Twitch page right now, is the chat coming through on the stream? Like on the little sidebar that we've got I don't know I can't look at it, I'm looking at my Streamlabs chat bot and it's coming through there, why? Okay, yeah, it's the um, the chat's coming through in chat on the stream. It's just that it's not being displayed on the stream as well. That is really unfortunate. Hang on. It should yeah. be. I, I'm thinking it's slightly OBS. 
because yeah, Twitch uh, Twitch Rare's uh, comments are coming through on Twitch, just not on the screen. Yeah, running with a cloaking device. That is unfortunate, and it is on top of everything. So I don't know why it's not doing that. the The Streamlabs bot must be down, which is unfortunate. Oh. So if you want the chat, you can check out the Twitch replay. <laughs> yes, I'm very sorry. Um, yeah, and we'll do our best to communicate with. Um, the comments we're responding to right yeah right. um yeah youtube version uh not gonna have that but twitch version you'll be fine yep sorry about that guys anyway uh you want more heathen dogma hey look on youtube uh we got anime and rpg segments uh in the in the live stream we got uh, team ups with garthon uh star trek online foundry missions and uh secret world legends uh, all of my past streams are also on youtube you can check out uh, my level one to level level 50 uh all content uh, not spending a single dime on the game, always free to play, Buck Fats McCool. Uh, you can see the Star Trek, uh, I'm sorry, StarCraft II Wings of Liberty complete playthrough. Uh, you can see me win and lose a Monopoly Plus, and I lose <laughs> my mind a couple of times. Uh, you can see me play Amnesia, both Dark Descent and Machine for Pigs, and Outlast, regular and whistleblower. Thank you, Valdahar, for gifting those games. And starting Monday, I have no idea what I'm going to stream because I just finished Outlast Whistleblower. Yeah. So I may have a uh, a Twitter poll or a Facebook poll or something to to see what game I play next. Now is everyone ready for the for the, what they've been waiting for? Are you ready for the Garthons comic poll? I hope you Here are. Here comes. Yes! Garthon's comic pull! Garthon pulls comics. He buys them. He reads them. He tells you about them. So you can decide whether to buy them for yourself. About half the time I think you should, I guess. Anyway, next up, we are going to talk about comics. Sorry I'm not there this week, folks. Mostly. Alright, first is U.S. Avengers number 12, written by Al Ewing. Artist is Paco Diaz. Colors by Jesus Abertov. Cover by Paco Medina and Jesus Abertov. So if you like the cover... Not exactly dramatic, but it's meaningful in its way. You like the book? Well, the art, at least. Uh, this story is titled as Cannonball Run, Part 2. It continues the story of how Cannonball is stuck on a crazy planet of Skrulls who are acting out a 1950s, a fictional 1950s sitcom called Richie Redwood, which is heavily based off of Archie Comics. So it's entertaining in its way. Um... This is one of those, uh, the cover does not anywhere appear within the book. Uh, it kind of shows like the U.S. Avengers block you away from AIM. But that kind of happened a while ago. I mean, he, uh, Cannonball there already, not Cannonball, Sudspot already gave up. Black. Or a Garthon. So I think. Comic Poodle! 
Sorry, everyone. We got to restart Garthon yes! here. Yes, Garthon's comic pull. Garthon pulls comics. He buys uh, them. When, he when I was typing in chat, I accidentally turned off the wrong thing. You can decide to buy them for yourself. I'm sorry about that. Not half the time. I think you should. I guess. Anyway, next up, we are going to talk about comics. Sorry, I'm not there this week, folks. Mostly. All right. First is U.S. Avengers number 12, written by Al Ewing. Artist is Paco Diaz. Colors by Jesus Abertov. Cover by Paco Medina and Jesus Abertov. So if you like the cover, not exactly dramatic, but it's meaningful in its way. You like the book. Well, the art, at least. Uh, this story is titled as Cannonball Run, Part 2. It continues the story of how Cannonball is stuck on a crazy planet of Skrulls who are acting out a 1950s, fictional 1950s sitcom called Richie Redwood, which is heavily based off of Archie Comics. So it's entertaining in its way. Um, this is one of those, uh, the cover does not anywhere appear within the book. Uh, it kind of shows like the US Avengers block you away from AIM. But that kind of happened a while ago. I mean, he, uh, Cannonball there already, not Cannonball, Sunspot already gave up presidency and ownership of AIM. Um, yeah, Roberto da Costa already gave it up. So he's not even the AIM leader anymore. So whatever. Uh, I'm not really going to talk what happened in the book. It was fun. It was interesting. Nice little haha. They got Cannonball back as part of the team again. It's a fun read, but the last two issues, especially this issue, really just feel like filler. The Avengers are coalescing the U.S. Avengers, Uncanny Avengers, and Avengers titles into one book, uh, which will be produced weekly, and the writers of all three books and artists of all three books are going to swap off every week. So it'll be interesting when that happens. And this is pretty much filler until that happens next month. The uh, There's some good art here, some great action. Um, it's fun to see like some wacky takes on Riverdale characters if you're at all familiar with Archie Comics. If you're not at all familiar with Archie Comics, most, if not all, of the jokes will be lost on you completely. So it's kind of a mystery of a book in that way. Uh, it almost seems like this was one of those written for, you know, the artist and the writer themselves to have some laughs off of. Uh, the last page is a tease for the Avengers getting their butts kicked and having to join forces or some such, basically teasing the Coalition of the Comics. Is it a bad comic? No. It's fun. It's entertaining. Is it meaningful in any way? No, not really. Like I said, it's filler. But it is entertaining filler. If you like Archie comics or have read them as a youth. If you didn't do those things... It's kind of confusing, kind of dumb, I guess. But I liked it. How much did I like it becomes a question. I liked it. It's not coming up. That's okay. I liked it for three stars. Three stars liked it. Try to fix that in post. Three stars for US Avengers number 12. Next up, Justice League of America Annual number 2. Written by Steve Orlando, artist is Kelly Jones. Colors by Michelle Madsen, and cover by Jones and Madsen. Uh, so, Lobo and Black Canary hunt the worst person in the universe. Uh. Alright. So, Lobo has hinted in his past that he has a thing for dolphins. He just... something There's something pure about them. That's like the one thing he loves in the universe, is dolphins. This story takes that and just 
runs it into the ground so hard that an industrial strength 3,000 metric ton pile driver couldn't match it. Yes, we get it. You love dolphins. You love space dolphins. Um, Black Canary and Lobo team up to hunt down the worst person in the universe. Lobo kind of somewhat tricks Black Canary with him. Someone who has found the secret space dolphin hidden homeworld and is killing all of the space dolphins. So Lobo's going to go kill him to stop him. Rawr! Because he loves the dolphins. The writing is okay. Uh, sometimes the way Lobo's written is actually kind of hard to read just because it kind of feels so stupid. Honestly, it kind of hurts my brain a little bit. Not everything is tribs and bastiches. Every sentence will not have to have the word fib, trib, or trib, or bastage. Please, come on. Um, I really feel that in this book, Lobo's power level has been way downplayed. This is a guy who could legitimately beat Superman. Uh, for gosh sake, not for long. I mean, Supernauts is back. He's Superman. But he's Superman power level, but he's rarely ever in the books, this current run, portrayed that way. The art in this book by Kelly Jones, if you love Sam Keith and Jay Lee, their art style, you will enjoy the art in this book. If you think the art of Sam Keith and Jay Lee looks like a freaking mess and you wonder how they ever got employed or why anyone in the universe even likes them even a little bit, you will hate the art in this book. Um, I'm not a big fan of Sam Keith and Jay Lee and that messy... It's not even messy. It's just the models are constantly off point. Um, every panel has to have a new super dramatic camera angle. There's like a love of drawing ugliness and stubble. Um... Lots of side views of super pointy chins. Uh, Black Canary suffers the worst. She just looks terrible in every panel. So it's really... Anatomy's a mess. So I really do not enjoy the art. I will say Michelle Madsen, the colorist, does a fantastic job with this mess, doing her best to make it interesting. She tries and does a great job. But I'm just not a fan of Kelly Jones' art. I know there are people out there who will love 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 this art style uh it's just not for me so i can't hate on the art style and say it's a terrible it's the worst thing i've ever seen but it is the figures are constantly off model um you wouldn't know who it was if it wasn't for their costumes sometimes uh it's the book itself is dull um like i said saving space dolphins so uh it is what it is. Didn't really enjoy it. Uh, two stars. Just again, you'll number two. Last up, Batman Annual number two, written by Tom King. Uh, for the first 30 pages, the art is done by Lee Weeks. For pages 31 through 38, it's done by Michelle Lark. Colors for the first 30 pages are Elizabeth Breitweiser. And for 31 through 38, June Chung. And the cover is by Lee Weeks. The art style of this book is fantastic. It has a wonderful noir style to it. Uh, some really interesting camera angles. Uh, muted colors. Maybe almost too much, but a great way of showing that, that noir style. A great way of showing kind of like the depressed tones of the story. The story is a telling of Batman and Catwoman getting to know each other in their early years. The main thrust of it being 
Catwoman is essentially toughening Batman up. That she says he's not going to handle it in the city full of murderers the way he is now. So she's actually invading his home. She's figuring out who he is. Basically, you know, like, if I can figure this out, other people can. You need to be better. You need to be... Um, and it kind of goes along the starting relationship, getting married. It, and then it starts going to some interesting, like, just kind of time skips through different points of a long life together. And in that way, it's a kind of a melancholy but interesting story with the very end... You know, they're being old together, those final moments, and it kind of wraps the story around. And it's a nice, sweet story. I don't think the writing is super strong, especially the dialogue between Batman and Catwoman. The story arc itself is strong. The plot, I think, is strong. And I just think Tom King's dialogue is weak, especially in this book. But I loved the art, loved the style, loved what they were trying to put across. Uh, so I really did enjoy this annual, and and like a good annual, it can be taken separate or with the main story. It complements the story, but isn't necessary to read. So I'm going to give this four stars out of five. I enjoyed it. I, like I said, it has some issues with the dialogue, but not nearly as bad as uh, Just League of America annual number two. So very enjoyable. Four stars out of five. Go ahead and pick it up if you like a good cat and bat story. That's Garthon's comic book, everyone. Keep on rocking. Gonna do that. There we go. Thank you, Garthon, for all that. I appreciate it. And uh, wherever you are, I hope you're doing well. And uh, uh, my producer Max that I was going to admonish me later because uh, I used Shift instead of Control, then a number key for my uh, for my hotkeys. And using Shift, of course, gives you amazing, cool, special characters in capital letters, and that screwed us all over. So I'm not gonna do that again. But if you want more Garthon, because why wouldn't you? I mean, really. Uh, you can see him, uh, of course, uh, the weekly live stream, Garthon's Comic Bowl, and of course in our team-ups with Star Trek Align and uh, Secret World Legends. And he streams when he's here. He streams Sundays at 9 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. He used he past-streamed, and uh, you can see that on Twitch, uh, Final Fantasy XIV and the Banner Saga. He went the Banner Saga all the way through. And his current stream is War Machine Tactics, which he is not liking. Apparently the game mechanics are awful. He got it when it was uh, when it was in alpha, and now it's apparently out of alpha and, uh, and out of beta and actually into release, and it doesn't seem to be any better. Like, they didn't help it any. So if you want to see that, then there you are. You guys are good, good times. Garthon screaming at the rain. It's fun for me. <laughs> It'll be fun for you, too. And now we're coming up to... That's right, Duncan Idaho's wonderful segment, Neon Spotlight, with Duncan Idaho. Take it away, my man. Yay. So, just a quick primer. Uh, my bandwidth is acting up a little bit, so if I just stop for a second and audio go, then died. So, but as we get started here, I will be taking you guys through Pat Labor, the Mobile Police OVA, the original video release. This was created by Headgear, um, and I'm going to butcher these names because I haven't had. Oh come on! I'm the one who butchers Japanese names. You could do it too. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go through it. I'm just saying I don't have any more experience. So go it's um, Masami Yuki, uh, Masumuro Ushi, uh, Kazunori Iyo, uh, Ito, uh, Yuta, Yuka, uh, Yutaka Izubushi, and then uh, Akami Takada. That wasn't bad. Studio was. Wasn't bad. <laughs> wasn't bad. Well, I've been listening to the subtitles for a while. Oh, there you um, go. Uh, studio, Studio Sunrise, or sorry, sorry, 
Studio Dean, producer Sunrise. Uh, 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 film Corporation, Bandai Visual, Central Pan in the U.S. The format is a seven-episode um, OVA. First release is April uh, 25th, 1988 to June 25th, 1989. Wow, oldie but goodie. Yeah, and the current availability is DVD and Blu-ray, and this was also on Hulu at a certain point. Excellent. Was on Hulu, not anymore, though. So, would have been great to watch then, but... Yeah. Right? Not anymore. Um, but DVDs, really easy to come by, and that's how I'm, incidentally, checking these out. Excellent. So... Getting started. The year is glorious 1998. Yes, that future Halcyon time of. <laughs> I actually started Almost watching this 20 years ago. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, to combat climate change, Japan is building a lot of stuff. The primary thing is called the Babylon Project. So, this is to prevent flooding, um, get more land back from rising sea level drain at it to get even more land to combat housing problems and just land shortages. And detection technology. And that has manifested itself in the labor, a giant construction robot um, that has just spurred all this technological development. Well, but, yeah, if, if you're going to make big, huge projects, you need big, huge machines to make them. Yeah, and it's nicely connected world thing because it's like, hey, we're doing all this building, but we're not just doing it the same way. We got a new way of building giant things. And some groups are directly opposed to global change. Um, just all this, just government taking land, instituting these new technological policies, causing a lot of disruption. Now there's always Somewhere those libertarian of... guys running around going, oh, I deserve I deserve my land. No, you don't. Shut it's environmentalists saying we can't lose Tokyo Bay. It's part of our heritage. The government is just acting unilaterally. And some are just people who want to just take advantage of the chaos. And then others just want to take power. So there's hmm. a lot of problems facing this society. It's got a lot of mechanical things going well for it, but it's complicated. Sociologically, it's, it's a hotbed. Yeah. Oh, you're you're breaking up. And the product of. Yep. Okay. Uh, they are the products. Am I better now? Any better? A little better. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So they are the product of rapid advances in industrial technology, robots with a human operator. Mm -hmm. They're a huge boon to the construction industry, but as you can put things together really well, you can also take them apart even better. Fair. So you've got new crimes, new vandalism, new forms of terrorism, and you gotta, the, the government's got to step up now to try to combat this stuff, so they're equipping their police force with these giant robots. Uh, obviously, they're, or, the, these giant police robots are a little, little tougher, a little stronger, because you don't want... A little tougher, a little stronger, okay, a little good. more advanced. Good, um, good. These guys, they're built for combat. Good. So as other uh, other units are just you know lifting, moving things around, they're not agile. The police robots, they can replicate human movement. Nice. So these guys are getting really advanced. So you got these pad labels, and it's really interesting with how they attach, they tackle this problem because they don't over explain why we can power these robots. 
They don't get into the mechanics too much. They don't get into anything that basically isn't self-evident. Mm -hmm. So there's never a moment where they say we're using this magical new power source it, we've got you know where most things have one reactor these things have yeah. two reactors they're not like oh this is our MacGuffin they don't have that they just don't yeah, talk about it no Ahab reactors in this at all mm. so you've just got software you've got mechanics the details are left for you to imagine it's almost Star Trek-y mm. in that sense it's, it's sort of shifting the bar a little bit but it's using this technology in an interesting way and it's really it, I really like the industrial design of this one. Subtle advanced, but it's still lived in, so you get this nice mix, and it's still kind of believable. And I, just rewatching this recently, it's like I, it doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel weird as some like Gundam episodes go. Hmm. It's not over stylized. It it made sense, and they put a lot of thought into it at the time. And this overall art style, along with a few other animes really inspired some games now that are really coming to prominence. Um, Hawkin was the first game I really saw to push the style, but Titanfall more recently mm. takes a lot of points on Pat Labor in particular with the scale, technology, um, but they go a little... They go a little... More into the, we have an example of what these things are at action. These Pat Labors, these mobile police units... And what can they do with these things? All right, well, let's find out. All that it seems like he swung and miss, you know. I mean, <laughs> yep, yep. He that one that uh, operator isn't necessarily great. The most careful with how he approaches things. Ah, but that's part of the really the heart of the series. You've got this really good setup, this really good technology, and what you really get out of it isn't an exploration of all of that. It's the people. You have the one of the first of these mobile police squads, and you're not dealing with section one. We're with section two. On the prestige unit, there, these guys are the night shift. Hmm. Okay, gotcha. Our parents, total whittles. They're right. led by an underachiever named Captain Kichiyoto. Um, they've got a couple of pilots, Noah Zumi and Isa Oso. And I, I'm going to focus on these guys a little bit as I'm going through. Noah Izumi mm -hmm. is really, really into these robots in, in kind of a fangirl type way. So oh, okay, she okay. has named hers. She takes very uh, good care of them. And she may like it a little too but much. into giant robots and doing it in more of a bubble. So she's really good at what she does. Mm -hmm. She's really careful, really skilled, but she's non-aggressive. And she's really careful not to damage her unit. Oh. Um, Oda, on the other hand... Complete opposite. Is what you saw in the trailer. Yeah. Shoot first yep. and care later. Yep. He he just wants to shoot guns. He is maximum power, but here's the thing. He's powerful, but he is also good at being skilled. He just has this personality defect, mm. which affects his job, but it also makes him useful in other ways. 
Um, backing these guys up, we've got a couple of people in command cars. They're basically giving them orders on the scene. Sure. Um, Asuma Shinora and Kanuka Clancy. Shinora is the black sheep of a um, industrial magnate who is involved in constructing these giant robots. Basically, he is in. He the sun got basically signed, or he. he he was pushed into this. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to become a police officer. His parents made him become it because he was just goofing off a little too much. Oh, okay, okay. So it's um, kind of like, uh, like uh, you, you join the quote-unquote military or you're kicked out. Type. Yeah, basically. He's, he's sharp, but at the same time, he you know runs questionable things on the side. Oh, he, okay. He's, he's, he's kind of shifty. the shiftiest. Yeah. He's not immoral, but he's shifty. You mm -hmm. know, he's kind of more of like, like a kind of a street kid. And then Kanuka Clancy, a really, really good, um, just almost like a straight up cop. But from focus, very on target, but okay. maybe a little too focused. And then you've got the guys in the support trucks. Those are Yamazaki and Shinji. Uh, Yamazaki. He's just really too nice, and he's really big, and people can't, like, not hurt his feelings. And then Shinji is the henpecked husband who is just kind of doing this for a job. Oh, okay. Well, that's job. And then you've also got a couple of mechanics, uh, Takaki and Shige. Shige. And then you also have a detective who kind of tags along for a couple of the adventures, uh, Masu uh, Matsui. So they're the second fiddles to Section 1, and they're the basically the equivalent of Terry Pratchett's Nightwatch as applied to 1998 Japan with giant robots. Right, right. So let's take a look at these guys just to see what they're really on about in a kind of a disturbing scene. Okay, so we're, let's run some clip number two. Clip number two. いいよな。希望と就職が一致してるやつは。しかも登場要員のフォワードだもんね。入隊できて乗せてもらえなかったらどうしようかと思ってたんだ、私。そう、何が悲しくてこんな地の果てで草刈りなんかせんにゃならんのだ。俺に銃を撃たせろ。絶対に逃げ出してやる。さくった。さく
are a little bit more in the background than others, but it does have a nice multilateral focus. And in spite of the giant robots and that one giant monster who you totally thought was going to be Godzilla, nope, but Godzilla. he's got a human face on him, and that was how <laughs> they oddly ended it. Um, he, he had a lot more heart, and incidentally, a face that looked exactly like the guy who always gets beat up on. Oh, wow. Irony. Or the nice moment where they, they, they're looking at each other. They're looking at each other. Something passed between them, and the monster walked away. It, it was it was funny, especially with the narration. And but in spite of all this, like the fantastical stuff, it remains firmly grounded. So the people still feel like they're dealing with people, things, people, personalities, and you can almost just take out the giant robots and the big building projects, and these would still work as characters. So, yeah, I mean that's just something that's just nice to see. I mean something where there's so much time spent into making that, these guys work through the series. It's right. very the, interesting. The uh, very character good. development is so good that you can actually plug and play these characters together in a different scenario, and it'll still work. Yeah. Um, like I might have done slightly in looking at inspirations for SSF characters. There you go. Uh, but, I mean, it's just, you know, you've got these great characters and great dynamics, and they serve as just really good examples of what you can do if you really try to focus on that type of thing. Right. But then on the other hand, let's look at clip number three. <laughs> All right. They are, quote, professionals. Was unnecessary violence right there. Yep, they're fine. It was a blank. Wow, it was a blank. Yep. Apparently, they didn't kill him anyway, but they apparently survived. I don't know how. Look at that explosion. Just I know. There's no way. But everyone thought they were dead. After, yeah. But then they get chewed out in the office and like that. We just got lucky. Yeah. That was basically so. That episode focused on sending them back to training. And then giving them basically a Scooby-Doo-esque like, uh, ghost story to try to work through and problem solve. And ultimately teach them, don't shoot people. Got it. And someone tries to kill someone else. So, because of what they did through the episode. Ouch. So, anyway though, just as where this goes on, you go into the next, uh, next slide. Development, but... The robots themselves, they really don't become characters. So these labors aren't sentient. There's mm -hmm. no ghost in the machine. Right. And they're just machines. They're just tools. They're basically just cars by the end of it. They're useful, and they can mean a lot to people. And they mean different things to people. Especially but they're always to just tools. Totally not Jigoro. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's something that you can just sort of... Because they didn't get a cyber story... In addition, or in addition to a, a, um, a kind of a police drama, but they actually theoretically they could have, and they kind of touch on this a little bit later with how autonomous these things can be, but in a very different way than just saying, 
are we creating artificial life? Because that's not the point of the show. So it nicely tries to, it just steers clear of that and focuses on just doing its thing. So the title tech is just a vehicle to kind of explore these problems. It's like the Starship Enterprise. And the fun of the show is just seeing how this plays out in the with the addition of having these giant robots to kind of kick things up a notch. Right. So it's fun, it's grounded, it's exceptional in what you're able to see and what you're able to see people do, and the focus just stays on the people throughout that whole thing. So as you see them approaching all these challenges, the tech works in one way, the people work in another way, and they nicely complement each other. And we will see one of the happiest moments in gun-toting guys, Oda's, career in this in this um, so this is clip series. three or four this is going to be clip three okay or sorry clip four clip four i i have a gun you didn't it says clip three yep it says clip three i forgot to change that so okay typo. so and this will... is going to be clip four okay clip four great it's fun to see you get these great moments these great con these great comedy bits but at the same time it, it is really it's, it's hard it's, it's, it's hard watching the main characters bumble all the time that's actually not too bad because there's nice moments of confidence i'm showing some of the better bits okay all right <laughs> so there are times where they really work together but the problem usually the story can just waffle can get caught up on details and spends maybe a little too much time explaining them in just long straight up exposition you got one character on screen talking for an extended length of time mm. focuses it slowly on them and it, I think in some cases they're playing off as a joke but at the other hand it does start to interfere with things so you got this great humanity you got this great setting but the stories themselves in having a punch or just the complimentary feel. The scenarios are great, but it's just like when you see it going, it's like uh, they kind of just do their thing happen. The robots pick up the pieces, and that's just kind of that. And mm. you're kind of left with a sense of you're gonna cut. That just doesn't Wait, happen. We're, we're left with a sense of what? Oh, you just don't get the sense of completion don't get the sense of culmination mm. so what you ultimately get out of this is just a sense of okay we did all this stuff it's really cool storytelling wise it wasn't as helpful as it could be or it wasn't as sort of well developed as it could be the movies themselves are just completely different 
they are fantastic stories. Well, the first two are. The third one was just kind of weird, but the first two are just great. Okay. And then the anime series... Should I does, advance the slide? Some, just go ahead and advance the slide. But as far as this one goes, I mean, you got this villain episodes. He's the leader of the military coup. And okay. He doesn't get a backstory. He He's just a villain. And he is, he he is villain looking because he looks uh, less Asian and more American, and they're able to do that. Yeah, I mean, well, he's kind of like this hard-pressed military Asian guy, and he, uh, I have no idea what he's actually about. Mm. He just tried to nuke Tokyo. Oh, just because? Just for funsies? Just because. It really is just for funsies, and that's just a, you know, just expression of where the plot wasn't going. And the thing is, they actually try to use a very similar plot to this in the first Pat Labor movie. Actually, second one, too. And they work out really, really well. So it's kind of this weird counterpoint where you get so much character, uh, fun, entertaining bits in such concentrated form, but then the stories are lacking. And when you move on, you get kind of a flip side where you get less comedy, less fun. But more substance. Yeah. It's not perfect. So last slide. Okay. Or the last slide. Um, it's not perfect, but it is really good, really compelling, just for the character side. It's just so strong there. It's like, I, I just want more of this. I'm quite mad that the stories are kind of more popcorn and less meat and potatoes. Right. So, overall, it's it's really good, easily likable. Animation quality on the OVA here does vary a little bit. Sometimes it's really it's surprisingly good. Other times it's but it, it's on the better side throughout the whole balance. Okay. Um, the Japanese voiceover is definitely stronger. Um, this was kind of, I think, uh, the original voiceover dates to before they really got serious about getting really high-quality voice actors in, so I think it's like the early day of American anime. Mm. And it, it's okay, but I definitely recommend the Japanese voiceover because you get so much more of the characters through that. They do a, such a better job of connecting yeah, in the uh, in the early in the early uh, to mid '80s, I think even late to early '90s, uh, late '80s, early '90s, there was like one guy who did the villain on every anime dub, and it might be the same guy on this one. Okay. There might be like three other voices on this one. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it's on this one. It's the Japanese voiceover. It's just it's strongly complementary. The English gets you through it because mm. you just have such different production styles and connections to how they're working through the series. Japanese voiceover people, they actually stick around. So if you watch the anime, it's the same actors. Okay, good. I like to see that continuity. They do ultimately make a lot of seven episodes. Doesn't sound like much, but they're very. it feels like a much longer series. Um, versus the much longer TV adaptation, it's like 43 episodes plus another OVA of like 16 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, this has much punchier comedy, no arcs, less backstory because naturally you have less time. Um, it feels less formulaic and less of a kind of a sitcom. There's some episodes in the anime which are just completely ridiculous, unnecessary. Yeah. Well, no, no. In in every Japanese anime, there's always either a beach day or a spa day. Always. They in there's the a spa day in the OVA, but they go. get through 43 anime episodes without one like that. I don't know, man. But they do have, like... It's kind of weird. They do have analogous episodes. There you go. So they have one where, like, we gotta go save a whale. Another one is, like, we there's a pop star who's just kind of tagging along and she gets embroiled and stuff. 
So it kind of feels a little bit more kind of a traditional comedy type thing mm -hmm. and less substantive. So it's not like where you get a Gundam series where every episode you're building up a serialized plot. These ones are just like, we're using the premise. So, and then ultimately this seven episodes versus 43 plus an OVA, this is easier to just jump into the movies with. Right. So it's simpler just as a starting point, get into bat labor, move into the first two movies, and then, hey, you've watched it. And I do recommend those first two because they're very good, basically, um, political dramas. Or not political, uh, police dramas? I mean, it's kind of weird. They, they they have their own niche, and it's it, those are really good. Okay. And very high quality. And I'll just kind of leave this off with um, parting word of dong, and we'll see what that means. Okay. あ、超ハロ。今からご不意ないに。逃走用の車と食料及び現金100万円を使い古市の1000円札で。うわ。そこ動くな。止まれ。止まらないとこいつは。いや、悲しい。暗い正義の石鹸。ロケット。ああ。
Yeah, it's a, a great discussion, Joe. I've been watching it at this point because I did stop watching Discovery because I got to wait till how it ends now. It got a little too intense for me. <laughs> it got too intense. Okay. It did get too intense where I'm just like, I don't know where the characters are going. I can't really watch it anymore All and right. enjoy it because I'm just stressed out. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Then, then we will we will leave that on the table and we will go straight to our RNG. Now, uh, we uh, normally in RNG we we will take uh, some ideas from chat what you want to talk about, but. Since I have Duncan Idaho here as a, as a captive commentator, I want to ask him about the Star Trek Online, which, which he has. He and his uh, Foundry Roundtable members have much more uh, inside connection than I do, even though I have a we lifetime membership and I love playing it. But the Foundry has been down for over 60 days, which in my experience is unprecedented. Unprecedented. Um, it, um, there's a few other examples. Of that One, long? The... We had the foundry down longer um, overall between like start of the problems and then getting the editor back mm -hmm. last year about this time was longer. That was when they introduced lighting 2.0. Oh, right. That screwed everything up. That's right. Screwed everything up because ground maps became unplayable. Right. So that wasn't fixed for a long time. So we kind of had a point though, where we had the foundry back, but we didn't, really have it back we had reviewing down for the longest time mm -hmm. so people could play stuff but we had to tell people don't use lighting 2.0 because it'll it'll make the ground back unplayable right yeah yeah so that hurt us a bit and then but the worst one now this like whatever downtime we have right now is a nice little holiday compared to the worst one which was that? where i understand missions lost dialogue and they had to revert the entire foundry back to a previous save Wow. When was that? This basically regular foundry downtime where they took that a lot more seriously. Just no, no, no. I mean, I mean, when did that occur okay before we bring this back up? Because when, when did that occur? I think season four. So, oh, that was a long we're time ago. Yeah. We're in season 13. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So we had the, like every time this happens, it's a big problem. The thing is this one's been tough to lick because this problem isn't with Star Trek online. It's with the servers that me, uh, moderate um, the foundry between Neverwinter and Star Trek Online. Mm. So Cryptic, not too long ago, did this massive server overhaul. The foundry is down. They tried to bring the foundry back up. And it seemed fine. But then they realized you could not make a new mission. So if you took all the missions down, you couldn't put them back up again. And that's exactly what happened. Oh. So the foundry was just completely blank almost uh, like effectively there was no missions hmm. so they took it back down they thought they fixed the problem recently when they accidentally put a foundry in never up and then it came back down again oh. so it's been a little bit of a stop start we had like a week like a week-long period where we actually had missions so it actually hasn't quite been 30, 30 uh, 60 days it's been 60 days plus a little little bit of respite mm -hmm. but there's light at the end of the tunnel because some devs posted over in the neverwinter forums that they think they fixed it and they were going to try to bring the foundry back over just before thanksgiving but they ran out of time so they had to go on break yeah right but you think then that yeah, would have happened second. this past week you know just uh if if you if it was because of the holiday then last week would have been the great time to do it but the thing is at the studio they're prepping for the winter event so oh I'm that's not right that's right yeah that now they're in crunch mode for getting that last 
a content mod, a bit of content out there for Star Trek. They're not focusing on the Foundry right now. It's like, okay, let's get this out of the door, and then let's get the Foundry back. So I'm kind of hedging that two to three weeks is my bet on when the Foundry's going to come back. Wow. If not that, end of New Year, because after that, we're hitting holiday break. Right. Yeah. So it's possible that the Foundry might not be. After after you play all the content, and I think, is it it my imagination, or has the last seasons, last few seasons been real stingy with new content? It's been customary, but here's kind of the thing is that season, it's been a little bit more of a, um, the things they've tried haven't worked out, so we've kind of lost a few things. So normally we get the new PVEs and a lot of that stuff comes up, but the competitive rep didn't quite work out as well as they expected, so that kind of brought things down a little bit. And then the, the Zenkethi battle zone is basically dead on arrival, and it needs a revamp. The devs can't do it right now so that hasn't entered the fray so we're having to on our normal staples so it's just kind of working through these seasons it's all customary but with the fact that these things haven't been working out as well in a couple of areas Mm -hmm. we have been kind of playing it a little bit lighter but not like super abnormal it's just the cryptics experimenting and the Zenkethi battle zone didn't work out but it's still great to have the Foundry because you can work on it, you can play it, and it's it is the end game of Stowe. Oh, it is definitely is. I mean, uh, I, yeah. The only reason that I've been I've been logging in is to uh, I I've been logging in several times a day to to uh, do my Admirality and uh, and Doth missions so I can so I can uh, spec up the uh, Miracle Worker tree. But uh, and- I I don't really play. I, well, yeah, uh, Garthon and I have got over a hundred and fifty episodes of playing Foundry missions. Yeah, and it's, it's been a it's, ball. It's what's held me into the game because yeah. when I started the Foundry, I was basically kind of done with Star Trek Online. And I'm thinking, what else is there? I tried making a new character, and that basically just fizzles. Like I'm just not interested. Huh? Let's try this other thing out. And that's kept me going over the last couple of years with Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so, Pax, Pax says he had a new mission almost ready to go when the Foundry went down on him. So he's he's feeling that pain. Yeah, and I had put one out recently that was, or somewhat recently, Faded Horizon. I was kind of gearing up to make another one, or the next mission. Either the next Starfleet Security or a mission for the tw- upcoming 26th Century Anthology. Right. Which, Foundry ran to but wants, wants to get out there. We've got an anthology project ready to go. But we can't because we don't have the Foundry to work with. Yeah, and you you, you can't even get it on the editor. Nope. Right? Just, no, you, because you can't even ed- work on it. It's kind of funny is that the editor is kind of the last thing that goes up. So it is kind of funny where you think like you can almost like think about like that running separately, but it's so just sort of buried into the Foundry. It's kind of the last thing we get back. Mm. I mean, that'd be nice if we had a standalone offline Foundry, but it's just not how the system works. Um. Pax has been has been passing the time with uh, uh, writing a lore blog to lead up to that mission. So uh, yeah, Pax, if, if you want to put that link, if you have a link for us, you can go ahead and put that in the chat, so yeah, everyone cool. viewing this can uh, can check it out. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing we've been doing is just in the Foundry community is just sort of like taking a little bit of a break, uh, getting out to just other writing projects and kind of refocusing. Since a lot of us spend a lot of time in the Foundry, we don't really put a lot of time into the game. So I'm actually kind of exploring, kind of jumping back into Stowe, almost kind of like a revival. Right. 
Yeah, I've, I've actually been uh, been uh, trying to make a an unkillable tank. You know, uh, STO is not for you know it 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 it, it doesn't have the uh, DPS healer and tanker type mentality yeah. anymore that, than it did in the first seasons. You know, oh, yeah. everyone can be DPS and and healers are cool, but they're not necessary. Everyone just more damage is a win. Well, what I want to do, I want to see if 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 I can jump into the middle of twenty enemies. Oh, yeah, there you go. You're, you're out. But I, I want to see if, if I can jump in the middle yeah. of, of 20 enemies, uh, faw, uh, threatening stance, attract fire, uh, miracle worker, space tree, all the way up, uh, Jevonite yeah. plating, the whole thing. I want to see if, if I can keep everyone's attention on me while everyone else picks them off and not die. So far, I haven't gone all the way up the, the uh, space tree on the Miracle Worker yet. I'm almost there. But on Mirror Invasion Advanced, uh, toward the end, almost always, there's too many ships and, and you lose the optional of keeping the station online. Yeah. But I was able to yeah. keep that thing online because they kept shooting me instead of the station. With 15 seconds left until the mirror universe ships were pushed away, that's when uh, I died. That's when I finally died. Okay. Well, I've actually tried that before my um, clan character. This is a while ago. This was like almost pre-specialization. Mm -hmm. The way I got around it, I was actually in a PV. Like my one one person in my fleet wanted to test their DPS ship out. Okay. And they said, okay, can I have someone to come along and just fight, just see how the DPS numbers work? I was like, okay, I'll do it. We spent 20 minutes shooting each other. Neither one of us died. <laughs> and it's because I had an, like, I was using the Undine Dromius Cruiser, and I just crazily spec'd out regen. I was Terminator 2. I was liquid metal, just constantly, constantly coming back to life. And I was still putting out a fair amount of damage. Mm. So if you actually want to do something a little bit different and try to do that, Dromius has some innate healing, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's a tier 5 um, lockbox ship. Oh, that should, it shouldn't be that expensive. Well, no, it's going to be at least probably 30 to 60 million. Yeah, 30 credits. million. Nikor's 30. Um, yes. I checked that one recently. And yeah. that's actually what I got that in the lockbox back then. I was thinking about picking hey, up for another for character. Yeah, I actually saved my ducats and uh, bought me a, a, Intel, a Kelvin Intel Dreadnought cruiser just because it had the largest base hull. So, uh, what, what I can do now is, I haven't, I haven't, like I said, I haven't gone all the way up the tree yet, but uh, at, at 10 stacks of Threatening Stance, Jevonite Plating, and all of the traits and, and uh, ship abilities, I can have just over 200,000 hull. <laughs> now, I, and a hull regeneration of 200% per minute. Now, do the math on that one for me. Another one you might, another trait you want to get for space. What's that? Biotech patch. Biotech it patch. Buff, it buffs your healing by a substantial margin. Substantial margin. Okay. Well, Miracle Worker buffs it so much it's freaking crazy. It, it it gives you the healing criticals. And it's uh, every, every time you do a healing critical, then all your heals are better anyway, and you get a critical also. You get more damage and and all that stuff. It gives you more hit points and and uh, uh, more movement and more turn rate and oh, it's great freaking awesome yep and um i just noticed that uh, audio fuzzed out again so 
My yeah. network's just like, oh. It is. It is bad. We're going to have to fire you. Uh, Twitch, Twitch uh, Marathon yeah. says 200,000. I'm not lying, man. You will see. You will see tomorrow night if you want to tune in tomorrow night. Uh, Hopefully, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, I will be playing uh, uh, Star Trek Online for four hours, and I'll be playing that ship first. And you will be able to see it. I, I want to see that, Max. Yes, I have, I have been stockpiling Jevonite. I've been doing the mission every time it comes up. Like I said, I log in, I've been logging in for the last two weeks three to five times a day. So I've been doing that mission a lot. I've got like 45 of those things. Yes, yeah, so... Oh yeah, that's that is pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. There's also um, now you just want to stick with that Jeff Knight, yeah, because there's also like a blade of catalyst, which also give you like temporary. Hit yeah, so it'll too. give you a bunch of temporary hit points that'll last a long time, but there's no way to re get them back quickly. But it's you know? just sort of like you get that initial pad. Yeah. yeah it's not. Quite and that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking for yeah, so a high sustainable thing. Like with two hundred thousand hull and hundred ninety six percent, I think where I'm at now. Uh, a whole regeneration per minute. Well, you know, that's oh, that I'm just, I'm just gonna say 200. So that's that's 400,000 a minute. Divide that by <laughs> 60. That's every second. Yeah. So that is that uh, is a liquid metal ship. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's really really hard. And I I have all the traits that the lower my hit points go the higher all of my resistances become. And every time I hit a heal, my resistance go up by 30. Every time I get a heal critical, my resistance go up by 70. Every time I'm hit by a critical, all of my resistance go up by 70. It's crazy hard. I mean, I don't need shields. I don't need them. Yeah. I don't need shields. Like, oh, but what, what about, what about, uh, uh, what, what about torpedoes? Torpedoes eat hull for breakfast. That's true. But when I'm at 15% hull, What's 15% of 200,000? It's a lot of hull. It's escort ship, okay? When I'm yeah. at 15% hull, my my resistance against kinetic is close to 85%. It's oh. crazy. And if you critical on that torpedo, that's another 7% more, uh, of the remaining. So it goes up another 1, maybe 1 1.5%. That is that is nasty. It's absolutely nasty. bonkers. Nasty. So no shields are not required on this ship for a lot of, for a lot of things. I gotta give fun in the build again. I've just been exploring exotic damage um, during this downtime. Just you know, just as something that's like oh, just trying to improve performance a little bit. I've actually got a really good build on an engineer that is just sort of like it does the traditional tanking stuff not that well, but it sort of has more of a punchback mm -hmm. with the exotic abilities. I'm not doing that much with weapons, but I kind of did this nice team up between not exploding and then um, just putting out getting a lot everyone of these with science effects. magic. Yeah, it's science. It's the the science tank, and it's like that is actually really fun, right? Oh now. yeah, uh, they 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 really nerfed uh, gravity well. So really, gravity well two is the only way to go. Gravity well one doesn't really work that well anymore. Yeah, I'm actually doing uh, drain with Tykin's rift, and then a bunch of the. Um, Either a bunch of like engineering exotic, like aceton, uh, aceton beam, aceton beam, right? Yeah. And then endothermic induction beam, and right. then like structural integrity, like structural analysis, or structural integrity collapse, or something like right, that. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. That that that'll that'll kill one guy. I mean, you you aim that on the big guy, and that big guy's gonna die quick. Oh, because yeah. one thing I've also done with this one, and these still work, is for exotic damage, you can use the um, Dyson Reputation science consoles. Which will, for like a ten percent chance, every time you fire off these abilities, get a massive punch for exotic. 
for exact damage. damage, right? Yeah. Damage and hitting these guys pretty frequently. I've got three of those consoles, so it's a ten. Uh, it's a thirty percent chance, effectively, right, of getting this every time I launch one, and I'm spitting these off, and then using uh, bridge officer. Bridge officer abilities to keep cool that downs, going, right? Keep, uh, yeah, yeah just right. the cooldown stuff, and it's just like this is kind of working too well. Other characters, I'm. Yeah, what what, what yeah. I actually did was uh, I I have a I have a keybind uh, script to where it's all it's all on my uh, spacebar. So spacebar fires all energy weapons, and it also goes through my script. Uh, tray number seven. Every time I hit a spacebar, mm. it'll go from one to zero, then back to one, and just keep going over and over again. And I have I have my uh, my duty officers in such a way where I can keep. Um, emergency power to weapons too, and emergency power to shields, up one hundred percent of the time. Oh. So all oh, okay. all of my shields are plus thirty four percent resistant on top of their already elite fleet resistance B. Uh, oh. uh, resilient adaptive shields. So the it's it's the shields They're themselves top. are just crazy. Now also on top of that, I have two. Structural integrity two uh, uh, powers in that, and I have I have the the uh, cooldown, so I get a heal every ten seconds, of of about yeah, of about five. If I crit, it's going to be seventy five hundred hull every ten seconds. And on top of that, I have two uh, regular uh, the the engineering heal one. What is that? What's that called? Oh, engineering team. Yeah, in engineering team one, I got two of those. That, that can go off once every 15 seconds a piece. And then, of course, there's a, a Brace for Impact, which is a small heal, but it counts. Yeah. It counts, and I can do that once every 45 seconds. So I got heals going off everywhere. Just this is all this is crazy. And you can also, I don't know if these, I still got to investigate these, but there's also some traits that will also heal you when you do outgoing damage for like 2.5 yes there is but i have found in my experience even with a high dps ship the percentage is so low and it it's actually yeah it, it's it's not per second it's per cycle it's yeah per so weapon it, cycle and a weapon cycle can be anywhere up to five seconds long yeah so, so it's I was not just effective of, yeah yeah it's not effective in itself i was just thinking as like could that be used to just keep triggering um, keep triggering the heal critical maybe yes yeah, but then, maybe that but you might just like be almost like better off just by doing like the straight like adapt like borg adaptive shield right yeah just to get a little bit more just innate regen out of those because that does do a sizable chunk yeah what what i found in my research the most tanky shield uh with without without uh you know spending all kinds of stupid money is just join a fleet and get the yeah. get the fleet adaptive uh, resilient shield with resistance B. You get resistance B because resistance B gives you resistance to tetrion, antiproton, plasma, and uh, th those three right there have are are half of the NPCs you're gonna you're gonna fight in in, yeah, in the PV in the PVE environment. And you're yeah. you're fifteen percent off the bat with all those. And then every time you're hit. With with a weapon, you get a plus two percent up to twenty against that weapon type. Oh yeah, that's um, yeah, that's pretty fun. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Anyone have anything else? Uh, anything else they want to talk about? Throw out in chat. Uh, Duncan, do you have anything you wanna you wanna talk about? Any, oh. 
Anything cool? Okay, yeah, I just put on something. I actually just started doing a little bit more uh, stream art. Or not stream art, just digital art, just trying to get back into that. Okay. This is another thing in downtime. I put that link in the chat there. Oh, goody. I should have sent that screenshot over because... I would have put it up for you. Yeah, I put it up. Um, but yeah, it's it's there. <laughs> Crap. Uh, but not anyway, it's just like you just try to like just drawing it. Uh, to grow Here it is. Do we have it? I just threw it up. There's okay, the Jigoro awesome. sketch. Yeah, Jigoro sketch. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's just like, I did sketch our like just pen and paper for a long time. Mm -hmm. I just figured like, you know what? Let's try this again. I suck at drawing people. Like I can do like abstract sci-fi, like alien design, like uh, Wayne Barlow, that type of thing really well for someone who has never had a art program uh, in any sort of professional case. So I just tried, you know, just try just doing a character um, in just, you know, just a standard kind of like an anime style because I had been watching a lot of that later at this point. And yeah, that's a major creative project. And that's what happens when the foundry isn't turned on. <laughs> they, all of the foundry editors have to get their get their jitters off on somewhere else you know like uh, yeah. like like in, in our chat we got people say oh i i'm i'm, I'm writing uh, prequels for all the stuff i'm going to do in the foundry or you're drawing stuff that you're going to do in a foundry i'm creating stories about stuff i'm going to do with the foundry or you're doing an ssf holiday special as a short story and the word scanta clause does come up in there yes yes in the context funny. of what ross was doing last year right right <laughs> nice okay well i unless anyone has anything else in the chat i think that's gonna be it for today i want to thank everyone for coming again please like subscribe comment follow what whatever you like uh you can see us like again like like i said on youtube we have uh, we have over a thousand videos that's well over three thousand hours of content uh we have game reviews game playthroughs uh, of course all the live streams are on there uh, you want to see what's going on with the Legion, then uh, go to Twitter, go to Facebook, and, uh, of course, you can uh, you can jump on our Discord. The Discord link's right there. Or you can uh, join our Steam group to see what games we have, don't have, and laugh at us. And you can, or, of course, get this on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. And, of course, you can, uh, if you want to help us out with support, I recommend the gear right here. I recommend the gear. The shirts uh, are awesome. Exactly, they are. And uh, uh, or if you don't want to get the gear, that's fine. Uh, support us through Patreon, Streamlabs, PayPal, and we will buy more games. If if you want to donate a game, you see a game on sale, it's a dollar ninety nine. Hey, Heathen Dog, or hey, Max Liao, or hey, Garthon, I want to see you play this game. Uh, join up our uh, our Steam group and uh, donate the game, and we will stream it. We stream every single donated game one hundred percent of the time. That, that, that's how we roll here. And of course, uh, for our uh, for our other uh, uh, streamers, Max Liao and Noro, yeah, Max Liao streams Tuesdays, Fridays. Right now, he's streaming Elix, which is uh, which I don't know. I don't know if you uh, if you know about this, uh, Duck and You heard about this game? I was actually watching one of Max. Excellent. Games. Then then you know all about it. Um, uh, yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic yep. sci-fi game with a little bit of like magic and uh, fantasy thrown yes. in there as well. Yes. Sir. And. We, we we have just come to the opinion that toilet paper is invaluable. In the toilet paper and cigarettes. Right. Toilet paper and cigarettes. That's all you need <laughs> in the future. He has actually and, hoarded over 600 cigarettes at this point. Oh, man. Yes. That's, that's a lot farther than when I was watching yes. that. And uh, his, his wife, Noro, on Wednesdays at 1900 Central is uh, 
uh, noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, plays World of Tanks. Uh, she is a Japanese tanker girl, and uh, you could you could see her with her sky cancer because she almost exclusively plays uh, art artillery. So you get to see her shooting people from miles away and going, "What happened to me? Damn you, sky cancer!" You know, so it's kind of fun. And I want to give a special thank you to our Twitch, uh, our top subscribers, uh, Hicks uh, two hundred seven of Daisy Developer Fame and Red Specs Gaming, who's also a Twitch streamer. Thank you very much. And all of our Patreon supporters, also Hicks, Sheris, and Elgarian, who will be our special our special co-host come next week. He was a host uh, over a year ago, but he retired from the military. He moved to Wyoming, then he moved again. He's got a new job, got another job, so it was crazy for him, so he couldn't be on the stream. He's starting to come back starting next week. He's going to host with me uh, again in Garthon's absence. And uh, all of our Streamlands donators, of course, Baldahar, he's donated both money and games. Uh, Erwin Rommel, uh, uh, Miss, Miss McCool's Hera, Magical Cat Girl Fanboy, Spectrifier, Level 9 Cat Girl Glover, and me, of course, I donate as well. And our PayPal, our biggest PayPal donator, Alan51. Thank you very much. Now, do you have any uh, any last words for us? Um, get to making and inventing useful giant life. You, uh, you broke up. Useful giant what? Oh. Go invent useful giant robots so we can finally catch up with Japan's 1998 from the perspective of Tanger's back. Well, that would be awesome. I will grant you that. I will definitely grant you that. Okay, now I want to hope that I can do this without... See, another thing that happened was uh, I lost the end... The ends, the end of uh, theme music. It was up, and then I clicked it away by accident. So there isn't going to be any theme music. I'm going to have to put it in later okay. in post. So we're still on. So we're still on. Yeah. But uh, I wanna, I wanna tell everyone, thank you very much, and uh, I hope you, I hope you have a great night. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Pax Federatica, Duncan Idaho, of course, uh, Foxy Bayonet, Spectrifier, Twitch Bear Theta, thank you very much for hanging in there. We appreciate it. And everyone here, have a good night. Okay.